I have my niece, Logan. She's very good in science and math. I really invest heavily in her. I do not want her to take no courses like black studies, Hispanic studies, white studies, because that women's leads to no women's studies. It's not going to get anywhere. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, what more? I mean, I mean. No, what, you're right. She you should know, be taking those. You courses. should take real courses, Rachel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Strong Cast. Uh, it's our podcast. I'm Armstrong Williams, your host. Thank you so much for joining us. And today, you know, there is so much talk. There's been so much talk in the media about the job market, unemployment, entrepreneurship. People are thriving. Businesses are growing, people are being hired. In fact, it's very difficult to fulfill job positions across the country. And, and then there's this emphasis on the minority community. You know, they love to segregate, segregate black people and women. I don't know why they try to do that. <laughs> try to make it seem as though there's something so unique when blacks or women are benefiting from the economy. If the economy is benefiting, the economy does not discriminate. But we'll get to that. But anyway, I invited two people I've never had on the show before, which is kind of fun. And I want to welcome them to the uh, show. Rachel Bovard, I know we called that the last minute, and they responded. She's the senior director of policy for the conservative partnership, whatever that means, she'll explain it. And then <laughs> Didi Bass Wilbon uh, is a partner in Bass Public Affairs. But I want to have a different kind of conversation today. My, my, my job today is to take you out of your comfort zone. Um, okay. Because here we are unscripted. So... I'm going to start with you, Rachel. What is it that has to happen with any new administration that gives them the opportunity to boast the lowest unemployment ever? Um, uh, is the people are being hired and are thriving in their entrepreneurial pursuits as never before. What is it that happens in the economy? What goes on to make that possible? Well, I think what we're seeing with President Trump is a huge focus on two things. Uh, and the first is deregulation, and the second is tax cuts. He's focused solely on these two things, and are, they're primary drivers of economic growth. And we're seeing this, right? I think when he came in, the markets jumped a little bit because they were <coughs> saying, look, we, we no longer have this uncertainty of all these burdensome regulations that are coming. The market jumped there. Uh, but then we are seeing this sustained economic recovery. And we're pretty far into a recovery right now, and we're still seeing the economy grow. Remember at the end of his term, President Obama said, look, what the best we can expect is 2% growth. Um, but the average under President Trump has been 3%. Mm -hmm. Last quarter, it was 4%. Um, so we are seeing pretty high growth and a sustained growth, which is unusual. And I think it goes back to this idea of a focus on deregulation, tax cuts, and again, this, you know, business is not nearly as uncertain that the, the hammer of regulations is going to fall on them. So all those things go into building a sustained recovery that we're seeing under President Trump. So, Didi, how does this play out for you as a business owner? Give us real-life situations of how what Rachel just mentioned impacts you as an entrepreneur every day. As an entrepreneur, and we've been in business, Bass Public Affairs has been around for 10 years, so we've seen different administrations come and go. And for us, it's with, we have three employees full-time, we have three consultants, and it's been the opportunity to actually be able to go out and, and, and tell people about our business and, and, and as a minority and, be, and have, different, have doors open that in some cases may not have been open. Um, we, what type doors? We've been able to, um, in, in regards to different contracts, in regards to um, making connections with different people. Um, and it's been very, 
we say when you're asking someone about their business, is your business healthy? And BPA is healthy. Um, we don't take more or do more than what we can take in. Um, and we're growing. Um, Coca-Cola, in their first year, they only sold 25 bottles of, of Coca-Cola. And, and so, and, but we're growing and we see that growth within our business. Um, we see the opportunities um, of being able to, to network and, and, and thrive where we, in some cases, we had not been before. So, so you know, so I'm going to give the president some love and a little credit there because he so rarely gets it. And when, even when he does something good, he's so, he has this penchant to just destroy it. You just forget about it. So I want to make this one last a minute. You know, I, I think something that we forget about with the president and which he's often criticized for is his exuberant optimism. I think optimism is something that is very important for an economy. You have the president that see everything is good, everything is booming, everything is terrific, everything is fantastic. But that does play out because listening to Didi, Rachel, it's about a mindset. It's about how you feel. When people feel good, they spend money. When people feel good, they don't abuse their wives. They treat them with respect <laughs> and decency. When people feel good, they're more amenable to giving those things to those kids that they don't really need. There's something about when people feel good. When people feel good, sometimes they go to church. Sometimes they get on their knees and pray. They thank the Lord. It's something happens when people feel good. So talk about the importance of the president's optimism that also fuels what's going on in the economy. I think that's a huge point that is, is widely under-discussed, is this attitude of optimism, like you said, is pervasive. It's not just about the economy. It goes to all areas of the country. And I think when President Trump gets up and says, look, America is doing well. You know, America is open for business again. America, we are proud uh, of this country and what it can do. That matters. And I think, you know, we have problems, right? Every country has problems. But instead of perseverating and focusing always on these issues, but instead saying, hey, look, you know, as a whole, we are doing better. And these are the, you know, sort of empirical factors why people respond to that. And I think they're honestly a little bit relieved by it. Um, you know, we hate to wake up every day and feel like, uh, you know, I'm so ashamed of everything, you know, this country is doing, or I don't know if I'm going to have another job. This business may shut down because one, it may get shipped overseas to China or this regulation may put it out of business. You know, when, when they feel like those issues are being addressed, right, the country is running as, as sort of we expect our government to handle itself. We're free to focus on the things that matter. When we don't have the heavy hand of government coming down and making decisions for us, we are free to decide where to spend our money. We give more freely. You know, we participate more in civic life. All of these things are, are not only good for the economy, but really good for American life. Uh, and I think we should really just settle down and enjoy it. And when you're speaking, my husband and my minister always, there's a scripture, there's a saying that speak those things as though they are. When you're speaking things into existence, and when the president is saying, oh, America's great, and everything is just going wonderful, and their jobs, and everybody's thriving, it may not be 100% to that, but when he's speaking it and everyone's listening, you start believing it. And yes, things are great. Things are getting better. They're not exceptionally well. Um, job and, and unemployment, yes, through the Obama administration, things were getting better. With Trump's administration, things have gotten progressively better. And they could have gotten worse, but they've gotten a lot better. And so when you constantly are saying things are good, and we're good, and we're happy, and you're happy, and I'm happy, and my business is good, my wife is good, my husband is good, my family is good, when you start speaking those things, they may not be right there at that moment, but you can see it, and it's getting there. And I think that's very important. When he's constantly telling the American people that, 
we're believing it. And I think that we, in some cases, you're working harder and you're like, you know what? This is not so bad. I can do this. My job is getting better. My business is getting better. The economy is getting better. And so I think that's very important. So I think that he should continue to do that and continue to have that positive talk because it helps. You know, um, I, I was listening to former President Obama uh, not in, in trying to also ask us to take <clears throat> some credit for why the economy is doing well. And I know a lot of it is political, but I don't believe, Rachel, that any administration would want to come into the White House and not would want to create a robust economy, mm -hmm. an economy where the jobs are thriving and people are happy. I, I'm just, and you know, and, and some people try to, because President Obama just happened to be black, they're saying, well, why didn't he create these opportunities for so many Americans who happen to be black, who are benefiting from the job market, who's benefiting from the fact that they're pursuing entrepreneurship as never before. And I know it has to do with the policies, but what is it, particularly with, and I don't ever believe that minorities or women are on the bottom rung of the ladder. I don't think we can really take a poll and test where anybody is, because I talk to people every day and you'd be shocked at how do it well they're doing. And the people you expect that are doing well, you'd be shocked at how Badly, they're Badly struggling. Mm -hmm. So I don't always believe in this polling data. But what is it that's happened in the economy where there seems to be this overwhelming demographic of minorities, and especially blacks, that they're really benefiting from whatever the Trump administration is doing? Well, I think it goes back to something you said earlier. And you said the economy doesn't discriminate, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. And I think you're seeing, uh, you know, in particular, people who were no longer seeking jobs are seeking jobs again. And if you look at the uh, Department of uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, studies, they show this. People who are off the bench are now getting on the bench. And that has disproportionately been minorities. It's been, uh, been African-Americans. It's been women. But why? Uh, you know, I think it's this idea that a lot of people are hiring at levels they weren't, right? When you have an economy... Is it a mindset they actually believe that their skill set and their, what they have to offer in the marketplace is of value? And because of the mindset and the enthusiasm that we speak of, they're initiating... Uh, and being proactive, mm -hmm. more so than they have done in the past? Or what is it? What is that doing? There's got to be something that's going on that is different today that what we're trying to do is put our fingers on today. Well, I think it's two things. One is what you're talking about. I think the second is that, you know, the Trump economy providing more opportunities, but they're being seen, right? I Those opportunities being are being noticed, and populations are being seen that weren't before. And I think, you know, all of these things combined to say, you know, that person who has been able to find a job in two years suddenly sees a, a, a job they can do. And that is a hugely stimulative effect across yeah. the economy. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the um, George Washington University has a regulatory center, a regulatory studies center, and they looked at the comparison between Obama and Trump, how much regulatory activity there is, 70% difference. And that, mm. as a business owner, you would know, uh, you know, you're, when you have certainty, what, you're going to be able to create opportunities, you will go after those. When you're constantly worried that those opportunities are going to be taken away from you because of this regulatory effect, you don't create those opportunities. So it starts at the top, but I think that is finally trickling down to the bottom and, and people are starting to see opportunities in their local communities where they didn't have them before. And just that fact alone, I think, stimulates a lot of activity. How important, though, uh, uh, Ms. Wilbon, that when you do have this opportunity in the economy that you have employable skills, that you are ready to step into the gap to take advantage of these opportunities. Because you and yes. I and Rachel, we all know there are still pockets of people that are not benefiting from this economy. Mm -hmm. They're still struggling. When I go to Union Station and see all the homelessness, oh, yeah. 
when I go to different places, and you say to yourself, there's still something that is amiss here. Why is it? And I can only come to the one conclusion. They don't have the employable skills. They'd rather the government take care of them. Or some of them just don't want to work. That may seem harsh, but what other conclusion can you reach? I think that sometimes, and I hate to say, maybe sometimes people don't want to work, and that's not a, that's not. But it's a fact. But it's a fact. Yes, I mean, it, it's a fact. And I think that also the way, I'm a Southern girl, and we, and I, my mom and, and my dad believed in hard work no matter what that job was. Just like um, the actor, and I'm not going to remember his name, but he was just all over the internet because he took a job, I think, at Trader Joe's. Target. Trader Joe's. Oh, it was Trader Joe's. That's right. From the Cosby Show. From the Cosby Show. He took a job at Trader Joe's. It was criticized for it. And it was criticized for it. He took a job that apparently Trader Joe's has great benefits. Um, and great get, prices. And great prices. <laughs> and as that. an employee at Trader Joe's, I think you get like a really good discount for just working there. Um, and he wasn't ashamed of it, but he was being shamed for taking a job that some people don't consider to be this they glamorous job. They felt he was unworthy of it. The job was too good for him. Right. That's what they were actually saying. But he was like, you know, I needed a job. He, was, he didn't have any, any acting gigs coming up or whatever. And so he said, I took the job. The, the people that were going to hire me. And a lot of people wouldn't do that. A lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm better than that. But he he took the job, and now, to my knowledge, he's going to be working on Tyler Perry's show yes, for like seven. 10... It, it, he, so you take jobs, no matter what the job is, if it's a job and it's paying you and, and it's giving you a paycheck, you take it because the next job is going to be something better. You keep, and if you don't have the, your skills, you better your skills the more you go. And you, and you take it and you just keep working hard. And I think today we were talking about millennials and, and <laughs> non-millennials or whatever. But I think some of us, we want to sit back and say, I'm just going to wait until my dream job comes. And we can't do that. You, you have to work regardless of what that job, and it might be, picking the tape up off the floor right here until the next job comes. And a, and a lot of us, we're not taught that, I think. And because we're not taught that, we, they don't, we don't know. What, what about those who like the employable skills? What, what, what are the skills that are required today that can almost assure, I say accounting, mm -hmm. I say math and engineering. Uh, if you're a scientist, there are just certain, I mean, there are certain degrees and there are certain courses, advanced courses, that you can take can almost guarantee you that you have the best shot of finding an opportunity in the marketplace. What is it that college students should be um, signing up as courses? And what should teachers be t teaching in high school? You know, I have my niece, Logan. She's very good in science and math. I really invest heavily in her. I do not want her to take no courses like Black studies, Hispanic studies, white studies, because that leads to no women's studies. It's not going to get anywhere. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, what more? I mean, I mean. No, you're what, right. She should be taking those. You should take real courses, Rachel. 
Yes, no, I, right. think, I think that's right. And I think we're in a changing economy and we have to be cognizant of that fact. Right. Uh, and so I think what you're pointing out, you know, the STEM courses, science, technology, yeah. uh, math, all those things are very important, engineering. Um, but I also think language skills are very important. Um, accounting, right. what you're talking about. And I would also say- It's speaking different languages because most right. countries, when you go <laughs> you there, speak two or three right. different languages. And that's here, right. they speak one. Yes, yeah. it's a very, very bad And French. the jobs that you're looking, <laughs> the jobs that you're seeking are we're going to require that you speak more right. than one language. Right. But I would also add, you know, and you saw some of the emphasis on this in the Obama administration, and I would love to see it continue under Trump, is that this idea of, of vocational education as well, right? Because we've, we've gone through this phase where we've shoved every kid into college, and that's been overall good, but not everybody's going to succeed in college. And what happens to those kids? And so I think vocational education is also an option uh, that will give you transferable skills that maybe aren't, you know, the computer skills that we're talking about, but are, you know, elect uh, electricians. Plumbers, you know, things our society is always going to need and are actually quite technical um, and difficult to mm -hmm. learn and take apprenticeships uh, to get through. So I think those are also viable options, um, you know, when you when college isn't necessarily an option. And okay. those are also jobs that you can take if you have that entrepreneurial spirit that later on you're like, OK, if I'm not getting hired. You can start your own plumbing company. You can start your own electrical electrical company. You know, this conversation could go on and on and on and on. Um, where can they find out more information on you and the Heritage Foundation, Rachel? So we are at conservativepartnership.org. Uh, Senator Jim DeMint, formerly of the Heritage Foundation, uh, we started this a year and a half ago. Talk about a growing economy. Philanthropic giving has been good for us. but <laughs> So <laughs> they, you're not with the Heritage? Nope. Conservativepartnership.org. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And more, how can you find more about you? You can Bass find Public. more about me at BassPublicAffairs.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at DD Wilbon. And um, we look forward to hearing from you. And thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Strong Cats with your host, Armstrong Williams. Stay tuned for another podcast signed by Strong Cats coming to you real soon. Good day, everybody.